0: Guys, welcome back for another edition of the Big Red League podcast. My name is Presley Meyer. Jacob Lane is unable to be with us tonight. However, we do have, I feel like we can't even say you're a guest anymore of the show. Friend of the show, Gigi Robinson. Welcome back. How are you, sir? Good, my man. How are we doing? I'm doing very well. I'm enjoying the nice weather. Uh, we were just talking earlier. You said you got out on the golf course today, which is good. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how it went, but any day on the golf course, a bad day on the golf course is better than a good day in, the, in at work, or I guess in your in your case, in the classroom. So Let's, let's just say it. I would have beat you out there on the course today. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's that's <laughs> probably, honestly, that's probably
1: true. <laughs> no, nah, I'm playing. I shot at like a 45. That's not bad, though. Yeah, for, not, nine, for nine holes, 46. that's pretty good. Shot a 46. What's that? Nine, nine, 11 over. Oh, my goodness.
0: Bo- bogey golf. <laughs> bogey golf, golf can still be fun. And also joining us tonight, we have uh, first time. But we want to get him on for a while. Seth Dawkins, how are you, man?
2: Man, what's going on? I'm good. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm good, I'm good. How about yourself?
0: Doing very well. We're, we're glad to have you. I want to start off the show a little bit differently than we normally do, but I feel like um, it's only appropriate given everything that's going on with the social injustices um, in, in the country. But we like to have fun with this show. We like to try to keep things positive. So I want to start the show off with a new kind of like segment, that that I've never done before but just out of the blue my wife asked me today who is coming on the podcast tonight and I told her and my wife knows nothing about football like I'm talking like nothing and she's like can I ask some questions I was like just to appease her I was like sure send us something and she surprised me with what she sent me and it went hand in hand with what I wanted to start the podcast with tonight so I was going to read this to you guys uh Gigi there's not there's not as much for you uh but she said Okay, so tell Seth that I don't know shit about football, but I did watch his top plays from last year, and he has some quick hands. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have cut him if I were the Seahawks. Also, tell him that I'm proud of him for putting everything out there, and he will, he will find another team and be lucky to have him. So she wanted you to know that before she asked a question. Um, and I, she might also be trying to appease me because I'm a big Seahawks fan. We'll a little <laughs> oh, side man.
2: Note. I appreciate that for sure. She don't oh, have, yeah.
0: shouldn't have anything for Gigi, though. So I, but a <laughs> how, how are you a Seahawks fan in Louisville? My dad, my dad grew up in Seattle. So oh, dad, oh, dad grew up in Seattle, mom grew up in Miami. So they, I guess they just met right in between in Louisville. So how about it? <laughs> but the question was, she said, a question for both people, having been a college student athlete, now looking back on that experience and taking into account the current civil rights movement, what do you think people with the type of following that you guys have could do to bring awareness to the marginal, marginalization of black people in America? in simpler terms, what do you wish that you could have done that people in their position now could do to, now have been doing to turn attention to the issues? I, I know say, that's a loaded I, question. I'm yeah, sorry. it was a loaded
1: question, but I would say now more than ever, um, people can speak out about social injustice and like, they're allowed to do it. Like there was a time, like what, two, three years ago, um, what's her name? Jamel Jamel Hill almost got kicked off the ESPN or did get kicked off the ESPN for speaking out on social injustice. Right. But now you see Maria Taylor is speaking out loudly, really vocally about it. And it's it's okay now. But there was a time where it wasn't very it, it was frowned upon. So I mean, even when we we're in college, it was a little bit more frowned upon, but now given the circumstances of everything that was happening a few months ago now it's more you're a little bit more allowed to speak out like I honestly think that this would have happened like a year or two ago uh college football coaches wouldn't have been speaking out too much about it but now it's kind of okay to do it which is not right that it's just now being okay but it's kind of just now being okay to speak out about it so it wasn't too much we can do but we definitely could always use our platform even now um Shoot, me and Seth, we're not in college anymore, but we still can use our platform and speaking out about it. It's um, You never know who you might reach. Um, you might not have too many uh, followers, but you never know who you may reach. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, definitely.
0: For, for me, I was going to say, not not to interrupt Seth, but I was just going to just throw in there. that I mean, I hope that you guys realize you have a platform, you have people that look up to you, and you have people that, that respect your opinion um, in, in a way that, that many many people don't. It is important, especially in this day and age. For you know, I know, I, I know, I feel like I have a responsibility as an ally, but for for you guys, especially, you guys have that platform. You guys, and so I wanted to give you that opportunity before we even started the show. Um, so that that's what I wanted to, wanted to come out and say initially. Obviously, I feel like my wife hit the nail on the head. Seth, Seth how do you kind of tell us what you're feeling, how you feel about the the situation going on right now, and 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 basically the same same question we asked Gigi.
2: Yeah, so um, of course, you know, it's it's all about standing for something, and um, I feel like you know, if not now, then when. Um, especially if you have a platform, just like you know, a lot of college athletes doing professional athletes. Um, and I remember a couple uh, weeks ago with the Seahawks, we um we had like a little intervention, and we talked with the, uh, a team, and everybody was like, you know, they were kind of scared to speak up, you know, because how the NFL blackballed Kaepernick. So a lot of guys, um you know, they were just hesitant to speak up and do stuff. And now they see, you know, okay, everybody's, you know, riding the wave, you know, to speak up and say something. So, um, and it also started with the Mississippi State running back in college, at least I remember, I forget what his name is, Hill. I think he was the first college athlete to say something regarding um, something at Mississippi State when all this tension was going on. So um, I just believe, you know, you got to start, somewhere and stand for something and you know our we have a platform and everybody wants to listen to see what we have to say so why not use it
0: absolutely and real quick i mean we don't have to get super in depth but what was your all's feelings about everything that happened yesterday i know we were supposed to you know get get together yesterday if you're listening we're actually recording on on thursday the day after the um the verdict came down not i guess not the verdict but the the, the decision came down from the grand jury. The lockdown, um, what is your all's feelings towards everything that's going on? And, and um, I mean, where, where do we go from here in your all's opinion? I mean, I tweeted about
1: it. I tweeted about it earlier. Like, it's crazy, but I'm not even in the least bit surprised. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I, when it happened, I vividly uh, remember myself saying to somebody that, you think it's bad now and Louisville is going to get way worse. Like this is back in March when I was saying this, it's going to get way worse just because I knew what was going to happen. Like I knew nothing, there was going to be, none of them were going to get charged, which is just a sad reality of, of the world right now. But I mean, and as for where do we go now, I have no idea. Like I wish I had answers, but I don't have the answers.
2: Seth? Yeah, um, You know, kind of the same thing as Gigi. But me personally, I tried to stay off of uh, Twitter uh, yesterday for the most part, just tweeting and stuff. I didn't, you know, want to, you know, say anything too crazy and let, you know, emotions get the best of me. But, of course, you know, it's upsetting. Um, Only one of the three policemen even getting some type of, you know, punishment, and it was one-time endangerment with a $15,000 bond. That's a slap on the wrist. And it's, you know, quite frankly disrespectful to – you know, the Taylor family, um, of course, my condolences goes out to all of them. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just upsetting. You know, this has been a battle that we've been fighting in America for a long time. Um, yeah, things got to change. That's all I got to say on it.
0: Yeah, man, I'm, I mean, I 100% agree. And if you're somebody who's listening, if you're somebody who has been in tune with the situation, uh, been in or around Louisville, um, you know, it's not not just black people who have, you know, who who should be stepping forward. I feel like as as a white male, um, I feel like that I have to be an ally. I have to step up and, and say something as well, because because otherwise, you know, I am I feel like I'm somebody who comes from a place of privilege and that privilege can be used as power and can be used for for good. So if you're somebody who who is is like that, you know, I would encourage you personally to to you know, take a leap of faith. Don't be afraid to, to speak up and say something and, and, and speak for what is right. Um, and u- ultimately, um, I, I think that, you know, as dark of a day, as dark of a time as this is going to be in Louisville, um, I think that we also have a lot of opportunities to make positive changes. And so that we will kind of leave it at that for now. But um, that that's kind of my opinion on that. Um, as far as – there's no easy way to transition into football, right? Right, yeah. I was just going to say yeah. – there's no, there's, no, there's no, you know, smooth way to go into that. But especially – But we have a lot to talk of about with football. That we just saw on Saturday. Now, Seth, I'm not sure, you know, what your opinion was going into the Miami-Louisville game. But we had Gigi on last week. I feel like Gigi and I, and, and Jacob as well, all agreed that it would have been a disappointment if Louisville didn't come out with a win, uh, given the situation against Miami. Obviously that didn't happen. We can get into, we can dive into the reasons behind that. Um, But what was your overall number one takeaway um, coming from that game on Saturday, Gigi? Um, Big
1: play touchdowns killed us. I felt like, Truly, the offense played well enough to win the ball game. The offense played way yeah. more than well enough to win the game. Obviously, they, had, they uh, were getting stopped a little bit in the second half. But, I mean, the first half. Second half, they were firing on all cylinders. Like, literally couldn't be stopped. Scoring at will in the second half. And the defense is giving up one-play touchdowns after the offense is driving down 15-play drive and putting it in the end zone. That's demoralizing as an offense. I didn't even play offense, but I know that that's demoralizing. It's got to be frustrating. And the offense can't score all game, so the defense has to get a stop eventually. And I feel like even if you don't have the best defense in the world, you got to get a stop. Like, it's it's all about the timeliness of your stops. They got to get uh, stops at the right time. Like, as soon as Louisville cut it to a one-score game uh, coming out of halftime, got to get a stop right there. You get a stop, it's a ball game because Louisville, we're about to go down and score. But, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway, man. Uh third downs on defense, and then busted coverages. Because on offense, if you mess up – if there's a big mess up on a play on offense, worst thing that happens, what do you lose? You lose 15 yards and you punt the ball. On defense, busted coverage, that's seven points that you can't take off the board. So that's some—that's that's my biggest takeaways. What about you, Seth?
2: Yeah, um, well, speaking more so for the offense, of course, Gigi um... – more on the defensive side Gigi hit it right on the head they um had two 75 yard touchdowns back to back plays um of course like I said that's that's demoralizing but for the offensive side um I think they did good um of course they put up enough points to score I think Malik played really well um Dez had a good game of course um and Jay Hawk he had another 100 yard game um and Tutu did well as well. Um, Justin Marshall came in and made some plays too. So I mean, they were it was, they were they were firing. Um, like I said, I think they scored enough points to win the game. But like I said, you, it takes both sides of the ball. So you um, just got to bounce back. To me, the biggest takeaway it has to be
0: there were three, and it, there there could have been more, um, and maybe you can speak to this, UG, being a, a defensive expert at least. Have having much more expertise than somebody like myself. But to me, the, the, the biggest takeaway was that there were three busted plays in this game that should you shouldn't have three like that for an entire season, and they all happen in one half. Um, and may, Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe that kind of stuff happens you know, more frequently than, than what we saw uh, this past Saturday. Uh, however, some, some of the miscues, the misalignments, the missed assignments on, on defense – were so demoralizing. And like you said, you know, the off, with the offense clicking on all cylinders, they, the defense didn't even give the offense a chance to, you know, gain any traction. Um, but my biggest takeaway is obviously they, you know, the, the guys on ABC spoke at length about the two plays to start the second half for Miami, how wide open those guys got. Um, but to me, the real dagger was on a third and long having two guys covering covering three receivers on on the well I, I guess it was the near side of the field absolutely and I, I know you you chimed in on a little bit on that GG what is your takeaway as far as as far as the defensive miscues do you think this is an easy fix or do you think that this is is something that is going to going to take weeks and weeks to to kind of uh fix well it's all discipline in my eyes it's all
1: discipline um you turn on Clemson's tape, they play two games. I'm sure, I haven't watched them, not once, but I'm sure just knowing how disciplined they are, you're not seeing busted coverage like that. They're not giving up 75-yard touchdowns. And for us to do that three times in one half, three times in one quarter, sorry, unless that last one was in the fourth. But still, Clemson probably hasn't had one all, all year, like in two games. Like it just, it just doesn't happen. It's all discipline. Spinning out of your gap when you have the edge, and then um, on the, when there was two people covering it, just being out there in la-la land, not, not in tune with what's going on defensively. And then, I mean, players can call timeouts. I would have been calling a timeout if that's the case. If I see there's two players over there, we're about to give up seven points. Timeout needs to be called or something. So somebody, someone's got to give. But yeah, just miscues that just can't happen if you want to win a game. That's not going to happen. You're not going to beat the school of the deaf and blind if, you, if you're having miscues like that
0: no and I, I think the one thing that that I continue to reiterate is that is that's not a talent thing no. you know you can you can put 11 five stars on the defense but if you know there's one or two guys that don't know their assignment and they're completely misaligned on, on defense it doesn't matter how talented you are you're gonna get beat just by a sheer numbers game every single time and so that was the thing that, that was frustrating to me I, I know a lot of fans a lot of Uh, analysts, a lot of people critiquing the game, you know, said it it might've been like a talent level thing. You know, you need to get better players, better coaches, whatever. Uh, To me, it didn't have anything to do with that. Like you said, it's just completely, it's disheartening because it's just a lack of lack of focus and a lack of, of knowing where, where you're supposed to be and what your assignment is uh, versus just, just getting beat. Like, you know, I know last week we said that getting beat by a team like Miami would be disappointing um, but I think that I would have been able to I, I think that anybody would have been, been OK with the outcome without having plays like that. But now looking back, it's demoralizing. You know, it's like the first game. They had the special teams issues in the second game, the de- defensive issues. Um, you know, it's just that that sort of stuff is kind of what creates setbacks when you when you have when you're trying to make a turnaround like this. Uh, Seth, from your side. Um, what are you thinking if you're on on Miami's offense and you're you're seeing these kind of breakdowns in coverage like th- to, to you when you're watching this game was it was it that obvious or was it kind of something that you thought that Miami did a good job of dissecting
2: um man I, I personally felt like it was it was just more so obvious than anything um you know for the first play like I play offense. I don't really worry about the, you know, the defensive line or the, you know, especially the front, the front seven on defense. But I've seen, um, you know, the defensive end try to go in the A or B gap when he was supposed to set the edge, like Gigi said. And that was just, you know, an easy 75-yard touchdown. Couldn't nobody catch him. And then on the next 75-yard touchdown, it was just a corner in the safety or a corner in the linebacker and nobody had the running back. They both were just watching the pass. So, um, I just feel like those are just easy things to see, especially if you know you do a little film study, and you um will see, you know, if they're not a disciplined defense that they you know have some lapses in their defense and they're holes to exploit. And I feel like Miami just did a good job at doing that.
0: Seth, one other follow up to that, o- offensively, did you see anything on offense, especially in that first half? Louisville was held out of the end zone um in, in the first half against Miami. Did you see anything on offense that you know you really felt needed correction? Do you think that the coaching staff made good adjustments going
2: into the second half? Uh, Yeah, I felt like um, the second half, of course, we came out there and was scoring the ball and, you know, putting more points up. Um, I felt like we kept running. We kept trying to run like an outside zone play. And um, some of that, you know, just got, you know, easy to read on the defensive side of the ball for Miami. Um, So when we started, you know, take more shots and open the ball up, like, you know, the passing game, then we started to, you know, move the ball even better. But in the first half, I just felt like, you know, some of the plays was just too predictive, um, too predictable. Yeah, but, I, um, I feel
0: like I, – I think a good word to describe it was just vanilla. I feel like the offense Hulk was right, vanilla in, in, in the first half. Gigi, G, go right ahead. I'm sorry. Hawk right, Hawk left. Hawk right, Hawk left. That was definitely <laughs> all it was. Hawk outside the tackle going right. Hawk outside the tackle going left. Yeah. And if you listen, if you listen to Miami's coach going into the game, he said, you know, Louisville is the best outside running team in, in, in the country. So they, they came in game plan for that sort of scenario. They game plan for that offense. Um, so and it kind of took, you know, it was a pretty basic run that Hawkins scored on on the first drive in the first half. He just made a fantastic play and picked up a couple of good blocks on the way in. But to, to, to be able to reverse course like that. Um, Seth, it, it, in your mind, um, do you feel like the offensive line and the blocking is, is up to standard the way it was last year?
2: Um, I feel like the announcer said something about this too, losing two NFL, um, you know, offensive linemen with Haycraft being on the Giants. And of course we know, um, McCoy being with the Jets. So of course it's, um, you know, it could take a step backwards, but I feel like the line, you know, they did, they did. I feel like, you know, they may be at the same that they were last year. Um, they may be, you know, the same as a group. Of course, they had a couple better players last year, but I feel like the line did their job for the most part. Um, of course, they gave up a couple sacks, uh, a couple balls Malik probably could have threw away. Um, but no, I feel like they did. I did. I feel like they did what they were supposed to do in the run game, at least for sure.
0: One other question about about the offense side of the ball, and we can kind of tr- try to transition uh, and look towards Pittsburgh. Um, after the game, coach Satterfield, as far as dealing with the media, I'm not sure how he was with you guys, but dealing with the media, he's, he's very, uh, vanilla in his dealings with, as far as criticism of players, criticism of coaches and that sort of thing. He is very polite about the way that he goes about things. He wasn't that way about Malik after the game. And I thought that was interesting. I know Malik missed an open touchdown in the first half to Ian Pfeiffer. Uh, I know that he threw, you know, an ill-advised interception in the second half, had a fumble in the second half. But overall, I felt like Malik played a pretty solid game. Uh, how did you guys feel about that? I know you kind of commented and you said that you felt like Malik played pretty well. Is there a reason why you think that, that Coach Satterfield said that he didn't think Malik played up to his standards?
2: Um Probably because, I mean, of course, he made a couple uh, ill-advised mistakes, um, you know, throwing that interception in the second half was, was kind of big. And, like I said, just taking sacks. But I'm sure they, you know, rep things during practice. And I'm sure that, you know, he may have had to check out of a couple calls or, you know, misread a couple things. And, like I said, just missing uh, Ian in the end zone in the first half, um, that's just, some you know, momentum swing. Um, but, like I said, maybe from the outside looking in as a – former player you know I understand a little more but as a fan we don't really know you know what they had going into the game plan or you know what they were practicing and everything so of course Satterfield he knows you know more um, obviously than what we do but you know I just feel like he probably just you know didn't get it done um, to Satterfield's standards I didn't see what he had to say about Malik after the game though.
1: And I think that speaks more to like um, Malik's talent level and like what what they expect out of him because from the outside looking in, he had a pretty decent game. Obviously, uh, two bad miscues that everybody could see. The pick that was just not very smart and the touchdown pass to Ian. Obviously, two miscues, but other than that, he played really solid. And, I mean, for him to go in on him like that, I mean, obviously, it just speaks to, like, what he expects out of him. Like, obviously,
0: he expects big things out of the league. Yeah, and to me, I really feel like, you know, obviously uh, the coaches are seeing Malik in practice. They're seeing him take live reps in, in practice, and they're seeing what he's capable of. Um, so to me, that's encouraging because when I'm watching it from an outsider's perspective, perspective, you know, I'm not in practice. All I've seen is two games this year. I really feel like he's taking a step forward as far as his progressions, as far as, you know, knowing when to get rid of the ball, when to keep the ball. Um, and he's also made some extremely impressive downfield throws. I think he's made, you know, he hasn't thrown too much in the coverage, but when he is thrown, um, you know, into tight gaps, he's made some pretty impressive plays, including a couple against Miami, um, across the field going forward. Uh, I know we talked a lot about, um, the transition from WKU to Miami. Uh, we talked about specifically last week, um, what the coaching staff probably did to correct some of the special teams issues, which I felt like looked much smoother uh, in in game two. Is there ever a situation, especially for UGG on on the defensive side of the ball, where you remember a coach just saying, we're just not even going to go back and watch the tape. Like you guys know what, what, what you did wrong. There's no point in going back and looking, or do you think that they like really broke down the game tape from Miami? Oh, no, they really broke down the game tape from Miami and, I know there was
1: a big chilling out session of all of the bad plays. Obviously, you move on from it. Like, obviously, right now it's behind them. They have a new game. But they definitely broke down the film, and they had to, they had to tell everybody what they did wrong because if that's the case, they're just going to keep doing it. So, no, there's no way. There's, the game couldn't be – there's no way
0: the game could be bad enough to where you're not watching the film. So, go, going forward, I guess, the, do you guys have much knowledge about – what the Pittsburgh defense brings to the table, because I think that that's the big story this week, right? Um, Pitt had Pitt leads the nation in tackles for loss. They lead the nation in sacks Louisville coming into the game. They've, they've allowed more than 10 tackles for loss in the last four games on offense. So what, what that means is you have a Louisville offensive line kind of at a, at a bit of a disadvantage. Granted pits, one of Pitt's games was Austin P and the other was Syracuse. I don't know if you remember going up against that Syracuse offensive line last year, uh, Gigi, but but they are not the strongest in the ACC. All right. I'll put it All right. like that. So while they lead the country in tackles for loss and sacks, they've gone up against a team who they asked to have a running clock in the second half in Austin P <laughs> in Syracuse, who has maybe the, the weakest offensive line in the country. What do you take away from that? Um, and, and I guess a question for both of you guys, how do you feel um, that Louisville can combat a, a pretty, pretty strong pit defensive line?
1: Um, I remember watching Pitt last year. They have a really good defense. in. I don't really remember his number or anything, but he's really good. And so I don't care who they're going against. He's going to have a good game. So he's pretty good. He's a pretty good player that they definitely need to worry about and need to be game planning against. But like you said, I'm sure Pitt's defense is good, but they haven't really played, uh, obviously, too much competition. But I'm, I'm positive that they're good and that that's still a point of concern for Louisville. Obviously, the offensive line has to come out firing. They have to be, they have to be ready, and I'm sure they will. Like, obviously, nobody wants to lose back-to-back games,
0: so they're, they're going to come out hot. Yeah, I wrote about this today. Uh, Coach Satterfield hasn't lost – a game back to back since Obama was in office, so it's been it's been a while since he he's let that happen. Um, I think that they might use that as extra motivation going into this game. Seth, from from your point of view, um, you were always viewed, even you know going back to your freshman year, your entire time at U of L, you were an extremely disciplined wide receiver, and I think a lot of people looked up to the way that you blocked and made plays on the outside, regardless of regardless of how much you were getting the ball in a game. And you made, made plays that a lot of people, you know, wouldn't think about looking back, uh, but, they, but they ultimately ended up being winning plays. Um, who do you look at on on this receiving unit um, as as some big names to watch out for in a game like this where I feel like Louisville is going to really have to utilize their speed uh, on the edges?
2: Um, yeah, I feel like somebody that always comes to play when it comes to big games is Dez Fitzpatrick. Um, mm-hmm. he doesn't really shy away from the moment. And Dez gonna stick his head in there and block. Um, and I know that they, um, I know that Pittsburgh has a pretty good secondary as well. I know that they have one DB that was, um, he was, I know he got some, um, some awards last year. And I know that he was like a preseason, maybe all ACC or all American mm, something.
0: Uh, Paris Ford is, is the guy in the secondary. That's that's he's pretty solid.
2: Yes. yes. So I know that they, um, yeah, like I said, I know Ford is solid, but, um, for the most part, man, like I said, I feel like we have one of the best receiving cores um, in the nation, truly. And, um, you know, we just got to, you know, hold up up front. Like Gigi said, you know, they, they have a good defensive end. Um, I feel like, you know, whoever he plays against, he's going to have a pretty solid game. But, um, you know, if we can pass protect, man, then I feel like we can go get the ball. Um, Malik just got to put it out there. And um, I'm confident going into this week.
0: To your point as well, Um, I think that it's all downhill after this game because they played a guy who's going to be a first round pick from WKU uh, in in game one. And they went up against an extremely solid uh, defensive line in Miami last week. Now you're going up against a pit team who leads the country in sacks. You know, if anything, Louisville's offensive line is is going to be conditioned and ready for the rest for the rest of the year Um, to going, you know, Pointing, looking at the uh, defensive line for Pitt, what is, how do you offensively combat that? How do you, what what, what kind of things should fans be looking for um, from the Louisville offense to kind of, kind of circumnavigate a, a, a defensive line who looks like they might be able to get into the backfield pretty easily? Um,
1: I'd say you got to keep them on their toes. Like you just can't run the same exact plays all game and let them tee off. Like you can't, can't run stretch the whole game at the same at the same guy the whole game, or he's going to end up making some plays. Especially that one really good dude to end. You just got to mix it up. Sometimes uh, leave him unblocked on like a read option or some things like that. Just things that'll give him, just give him, giving him different looks. Running screens where he's has to retrace his footsteps. Things just keeping him off his feet, not letting them tee off. Knowing that when they know the exact play that's going to come at them.
0: That's when that's when you have problems and that's when great players go off. Yeah, Seth, same for you. How do you how do you expect Louisville's offense to kinda of combat this defense?
2: Um, yeah, like you said, with the good uh defensive line that they have, man, I feel like we can really utilize the quick game. Um, we run a lot of slants and a lot of, you know, four step out routes. We may not, you know, be throwing them as much as we Um, you know, might like to see. But we have a lot of quick game in our offense, and I feel like we can utilize that this week. And, um, you know, if we run the ball a lot and they have a good defensive line, you know, we can maybe, you know, hit them with a couple play action deep balls, um, just like we did with Western Kentucky. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, Satterfield has up his sleeve.
0: Definitely. So, I guess my last couple of questions here for you guys. Number one, who is a player that you're looking for um, it can be on the other side of the ball, who's a player that you're looking at to be a key guy, uh, a key standout in this game. And number two, ultimately, what do you, what do you think is going to wind up being the outcome?
2: So, um, Well, more so I feel like on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, they have a real good defensive line, like we've been saying, man. And I feel like a guy that doesn't get a lot of recognition or that he may get some recognition, but, not as much as he might deserve as Marshawn Ford, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like he can um, you know help the offensive line. He's a real good blocker, you know, stick his nose in there. So you know whether it's just you know chipping the defensive end or helping him out, and I'm sure. I mean, he has we caught a touchdown each of the first two games, so I feel like he could be an impact player in this game.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like yeah, he, uh, Marshawn is definitely a dog. I like how he plays. He plays real hard, and like, there's people out there, you watching the game, you know they hate to lose, and they don't want to lose by the way they play. And he's definitely one of those people. Mm-hmm. But um, as for impact players, I mean, I just couldn't – not I couldn't not say Malik. Like, he has to have a big game for them to win. Obviously, I can't pick one person on the defense. I just need the defense to step up as a whole for – they all have to have an impact for us to win the game. They have to – defense plays well, we're going to win the game, literally. That's that's all it comes down to because the offense is going to put up points. We just got to stop them, and we got to stop them at opportune times. Like it has to be at the right times. Got to get good big-time stops. You can get off the field on third down. That's the main thing. Can't be rushing three on third and 19 and letting the quarterback sit in the pocket and dissect the defense. Send yeah. pressure at him. We send pressure at them on third and get off
0: the field on third down. We can win the ballgame. 100%. I feel like the offense – is going to always get theirs, um, right. and you know, to me, the rest of the season kind of hinges on how 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 disciplined can the defense be. You know, I, I think that from from an outsider's perspective, I feel like I've seen the defense continually take steps forward, um, but it, it has to be discipline on every single play. You know, I, I think if you take away again, you can't. But if you take away the three right. massive plays for, from Miami, Louisville's defense. Really held Miami in check last week. I really um, had I really
1: had four big plays from last week. You gotta count in the the huge third and nineteen. Yes, that them that they were on their like own ten yard line, converted third and nineteen, and proceeded to go eighty yards and score a touchdown on that same drive. That that's demoralizing. Right. That can't happen as a defense. That is terrible. That that hurts. That hurts the soul as a as any type of defensive player out there. Like when you're supposed to be getting off the field in three plays and then it turns into like 11 play drive, you're winded giving up seven points. It just, it's just awful. But, so I definitely had, when I was thinking about it, four huge plays that altered the game, that one, that gave up a a big touchdown third and 19.
0: And then obviously the third big plays after half. I couldn't agree more, man. Can we get a prediction from you? Or is it too obvious that you think UofL is going to bounce back?
1: Oh, no, I got to uh, I gotta stop on my predictions, man, because I guess I jinxed him last week. I was way too confident. <laughs> I was too confident last week. I th- I thought it was going to be Louisville by seven-plus easily. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. Uh, I haven't seen Pitt play at all this year. Like, I saw Miami play. That's why I was so confident, because I was like, the quarterback did not impress me. But I haven't seen Pitt play, and I know that defensive line is good, and – we might have ourselves in if we can't block them. But if we can block them and defensive shows up, which are two big, I mean, ifs, hopefully it does happen. And I, I do believe in them. I, I think we can get this dope. I'm not sure by how much or whatever, but I, I definitely think they can come
0: out of there with a win.
2: What about you, Seth? Yeah, same. Um, I'm confident. I think, like I said earlier in the show, I think that um is going to come out on top. I feel like it's going to be a close game. Um if I had to predict the score, man, I think it's you know, not going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I, would say, I would say 31-27, Louisville.
0: That's pretty high-scoring. But, no, I, I like that. Um, the one thing – we talked about this last week, Gigi, and I know people say I'm crazy, but it makes a difference. Louisville's offense is built for speed. The defense is built for speed. And they're going up to Pittsburgh. Last week I mentioned when you guys went down to Miami last year, there was a noticeable difference – Playing on just a, a field that you're not used to be not used to playing on. I know it sounds silly, but the worst two, the worst two fields I've seen in, per, in person are Pittsburgh and Miami. And so to me, it comes down to how do you adjust. Uh, the one thing that Louisville has going for them is it's a road trip and it's a noon game. So you're not going to get there, be sitting in a hotel all day. Um, I, I know you, I know you guys would go to a hotel regardless the night before. With that being said, though, you know, when you're traveling, you want to have as little amount of time, in my opinion, to sit there and stew on things. You know, I feel like teams often come out kind of sleepy for noon games. Um, not literally, but, you know, just lethargic. Uh, so to me, that those are major keys to this game. Um, and, and ultimately, I think I cannot imagine a scenario where, where Louisville doesn't bounce back. Uh, I don't think that, that – that uh pittsburgh has the weapons on offense to, to make that happen so um again you know i don't want to sound confident like i did last week like you guys i think that it's, it's going to be a close closer game than than uh we anticipated against miami um but ultimately you know i i have confidence in this team i really like what i saw in offense and i liked what i saw in the run defense last week it just comes down to being disciplined every play
1: yeah, I, I agree. I I think the defense looked very good, and the reason why I'm more so like speaking, I wouldn't say speaking down on it, but it's just because I was expect more, and obviously nobody's expecting those three big letdowns. So I expect more. So I and I definitely liked what I saw out of them for the most part. I mean, they played good probably for about 85% of the game, mm-hmm. but sometimes 85% isn't enough. Most of the time, 85% isn't enough. If you're blowing coverages the other 15% of the time, then it's not going to look good for you. So right. I definitely believe in the defense. I think they're going to step uh, I think they're going to step up. I definitely think coach Brown's giving them getting them right this week and I I feel like we're going to come out of there with a dub. I definitely think they're going to bounce back, but obviously not super duper like I'm not going to just just be super duper confident like say they're going to win by 7 plus, but I think they they should come out of there with a win.
0: And there's nothing better than getting a win for one of those early games and having the rest of your Saturday to just enjoy the I'm fact that you've got to win. Right. Um, sure. so I'm, I'm excited for you guys as fans to hopefully get to experience that this Saturday. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Gigi as always, we hope to see you back Seth, you as well. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, and I hope that we get to do this again soon y'all. Yeah, definitely. Right, right. Thank you guys.